Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we meditate upon this evening is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. You need two lines to make the point of a star. You only have one line, it's just going to go on and continue forever. That's what lines do. They continue on forever. But when you have two lines coming together, they stop each other, you get a nice point. We need earthly things to live. We need food and clothing, house and home. We need people who love us, and we need to know that they love us. It's pretty tough to go on in this world if we feel all alone. The Bible tells us that God knows that we need these things. Jesus reminds us, your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things and he will provide them. We just heard in our recitation of the first article and its explanation how God has provided all these things for us. We need these things. God's Word knows it and it tells us, but it also tells us only to a point, right? That's the two lines. We need earthly things, but only to a point. Our epistle reading reminds us, with food and clothing, with these we shall be content. If God's word didn't stop us and tell us, yes, you need them, and I will provide them this far, we would go on forever, always wanting more and more, always seeking, always grasping, always grabbing. <coughs> But because of God's promise to provide for us, we can learn contentment. We can learn the point of the star, which brings us peace. That's what we're going to hear about today, and that's what we heard about in our text too. The two things that come together, and the peace that God gives us at the point of the star. This is a very important lesson uh, as we begin our Christmas season. At Christmas time, uh, we have gifts and decorations, food and family gatherings, and these things are good. They help us to celebrate and remind us of God's love. 
They're good, again, up to a point. They're good as long as we know where to stop. And God reminds us in his word, this, this far and no further. There are some who take the opposite view, who go too far in the other way and say, well, Christmas ought to be about Christ, so we're not going to do gifts. We're not going to do an elaborate uh, Christmas dinner. We're just, we're just going to focus on Christ. Well, that's missing out, isn't it? Because gifts can remind us of God's gift to us. Gifts, giving gifts is a wonderful way to express our, our love to one another. And getting gifts is, is an encouragement and a reminder of those who, who love us. I, you guys are often very generous at Christmas time to me, and you give me gifts like this mug here, which not only says pastor on it, but it's, it's big enough that I only have to refill it every 10 minutes instead of every 5 minutes, right? So I appreciate those gifts, but even more than the gift, I appreciate the reminder that you appreciate what God is bringing to you through me. It's, it's God's word. It's not mine, but uh, you appreciate that I'm here bringing it to you. The gifts are important to a point. To a point. We need to learn that contentment that God tells us about in our text. When Christmas becomes all about the gifts, then we're just like that line going on forever, grasping, always wanting more, never content. But when gifts serve to remind us of Christ, his love for us and our love for one another, then we have that, that nice point in which God gives us peace. That's what Christmas is about, isn't it? It's about God who became man. God doesn't forget about our earthly needs. He doesn't forget about the earthly. He doesn't say, oh, who cares about food? And when Jesus was born, it was God coming to man, becoming man, God and man meeting together, just like the points of our star. And in that meeting of God and man in the person of Jesus Christ, we have peace. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the, the truly amazing thing about Christmas. Is that God doesn't just forget about the earthly, but comes down to us in the person of Jesus. Our epistle, our epistle reading reminds us of what can happen when we go on forever chasing earthly things. It warns us that the desire for more and more things, the lack of contentment, can drown men in destruction and perdition. The interesting thing about that word drown, the Greek word that's used there, is that it's only used one other time in all of Scripture. And that one other place is kind of surprising. It's the story of the miraculous catch of fish. Remember how Jesus told the disciples to throw their nets on the other side of the boat, and when they did, they brought up this huge catch of fish. So, so many fish, they couldn't even bring it in the boat. They had to call their friends over, and the second boat came. And even with the second boat, it was, there were so many fish that the boats were about to sink. It's the same word there. Paul, Paul warns us in that epistle reading that if we grasp and hold on to the things of this world, to what, what we consider to be our treasures, and insist on pulling them into the boat, 
we're in danger of sinking. Just like the, the boats of the disciples. By the grace and power of God, the disciples received a catch of fish beyond anything they had ever received before. By the grace and power of God, those boats did not sink, but made it safely to shore. But there's a greater miracle than the catch of fish. What happens next, isn't it? Because when they get to the shore, they don't grasp. They don't hold on. They leave everything and follow Jesus. These men were fishermen. This is what they did for their living, was catch fish. And here they had the biggest catch of fish they had ever had in their lives. To them, that was treasure. We probably don't think of fish much as treasure. But to them, that was a, a treasure they could have sold and, and had a good, big profit. But they leave it and follow Jesus. Disciples learned the lesson that our texts and our epistle reading are trying to teach us tonight. When they saw that catch of fish, they didn't think this is something we have to hold on to, but instead they realized the truth that if Jesus can provide fish like this, that means we don't have to hold on to it. We can let it go because we can trust that he will always provide fish, food, house, home, whatever we need. It's exactly the opposite of what happened in the garden, isn't it? There, once again, God provided more than they needed. Blessings beyond what they, what they needed, and yet Adam and Eve wanted more and tried to grasp more and wouldn't let go. Disciples let go. Our text this evening shows us that same distinction. It shows us that difference between, on the one hand, Herod, who had to grasp, who had to hold on, who always had to have more. You see how threatened he is when he hears that the Messiah is born. He's going to take my throne. You see how he's threatened and trembles in fear, and all of Jerusalem trembles with him because the only thing he cares about is grasping earthly treasures and keeping hold of his throne. Because he's grasping and holding on to the things of this earth, he has no peace. He is full of fear, and all the people of Jerusalem are full of fear. On the other hand, you see the Magi who follow the star, who find Jesus, who find the peace that he came to, get, came to bring. And because they find that peace, they have no problem leaving their treasures at Jesus' feet. They don't have peace because they left their treasures at Jesus' feet. It's the other way around, isn't it? It's because they have peace in Jesus Christ, because they recognize that Jesus is that point, God coming to meet man, which brings us peace, that they find contentment and trust and can gladly leave gifts to Christ. Not needing to grasp, not needing to hold on. In one of the goals of the, the Gospel of Matthew, you may, you may remember the Gospel of Matthew was written to the Hebrews, to the Jewish people. And so one of the goals of the Gospel of Matthew is to show that Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so when you think of that, you might at first wonder why the story of the Magi is found in Matthew chapter 2. It seems like uh, an account like that of Luke might fit a little bit better. There in Luke we have uh, how Luke goes over. He's, he's born of the line of David. He's born in Bethlehem. He really stresses the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophets. But in writing to the Hebrews, 
Matthew really has a secondary goal as well. One of the things that is primary at the forefront of his gospel is to show the Hebrews what the kingdom of God truly is. And over and over again in the book of Matthew, uh, he has the parables, the kingdom of God is like. He, just, he hammers that home to get through to the Jewish people that the kingdom of God is not this earthly paradise. And when you remember that, then the story of the Magi fits really, really well with the purpose of Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 1, he has already shown that Jesus is the descendant of David, and now he wants to reveal to us this contrast between what men think, the way men think they can find the kingdom of God, and what God's kingdom really is. Between how men seek for peace, like Herod, and where we really find peace, at that intersection, that Emmanuel, where God meets man. And so Matthew chapter 2 is this contrast. It's this study in contrast, isn't it? The contrast between Herod, who grasps and holds on to, and the Magi, who find peace instead in Christ and willingly let go. The contrast between Jesus and Herod. Herod, who has to have the greatest palace, the greatest uh, temple, the strongest fortresses. He needs the gold and the glory and the power. And Jesus, who, Paul reminds us, having the riches of God, laid him aside. And is born instead and laid in a manger. Comes in that humble manner. The difference between the kingdom of men that seeks peace through power and presence and the kingdom of God, which gives the peace of God as a gift freely given to all men. Peace comes at that point of the star where God becomes man and meets us. Where God gives us his gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Amen.